This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story. A $10 billion social housing bill has stalled in the Senate after Labor reached a deadlock with the Greens and other crossbenchers. They argued the 30,000 homes promised by Labor isn't enough. What we have said to the government is that when you can find $368 billion for the nuclear attack submarines, then you can find at least $5 billion a year to build on public community and affordable housing. It's a pushback the government wasn't expecting. So I say to the Greens political party, you go back to your electorates and you tell people that houses are not on the ground today because this was not able to be brought on in the Senate. Today, political reporter Amy Ramikis on the political fight over affordable housing. It's Tuesday, the 4th of April. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. So, Amy, the government has failed to get support for their housing bill. Why? Well, it was really interesting because I think out of all the big pieces of legislation that the government's been worrying about this quarter, things like the safeguard mechanism and the National Reconstruction Fund, the one that they didn't actually have too many worries about was this housing fund because they were like, that should be an uncontroversial idea except for the fact that 30,000 homes across five years doesn't even really come anywhere near to touching the surface of Australia's housing problem. Uh, And that has been one of the big issues that the government has been butting up against. What is their housing policy and why has it been so controversial? It's essentially this idea that the government can put $10 billion into a fund and then use the dividends from that fund, the interest on that money, to pay for social and affordable housing in Australia. The idea being that they could get 30,000 homes across five years just from interest on this fund. And so $500 million a year, and so that would be the maximum, would be used to fund not just the construction of new homes, but also repairing and improving housing for Indigenous communities and social housing stock in general. So $500 has to be used every year as an absolute maximum, building new homes, but also maintaining those homes. So it doesn't work out to a lot of money when you extrapolate it like that. Let's step through in a little more detail why various parties and MPs are opposing this bill, starting with the Coalition. So the coalition has just said no from the outset. 
they deal themselves out of negotiations really early. They're not coming to the table in any form. The government has taken to calling them the Noalition. Once again, turning the coalition into the Noalition. It's a strategy, though, that um, we've dubbed no and moan because basically they say no and then when a bill passes, they come out and they say, this legislation is terrible, these negotiations have been awful and it's going to mean the end of the world as we know it. We've seen that play out a couple of times, you know, with the safeguard mechanism and with the National Reconstruction Fund. We saw both times the coalition, which didn't play any part in the negotiations, come out and criticise the negotiations. This probably is not going to be any different. So that's the coalition stance, Amy. What about the Greens and the crossbench? So the Progressive Senate, and I'm talking where the Greens and senators like Lydia Thorpe and David Pocock and even Jackie Lambie and Tammy Tyrrell have the power, they're saying, well, if you're going to do something, do it right. And we don't think we should just be passing what is barely even the minimum you could do to address this. Mm. I mean, $500 million a year on housing is kind of chicken feed when you consider what else we're spending big bucks on, right? So you've got the stage three tax cuts, for instance, which is going to be $250 billion in foregone revenue over the next 10 years. We, of course, have AUKUS with that giant $360 billion or so uh, price tag on it over the next 30 years. And so then you have the government saying to the Greens and to the progressive senators like David Pocock and Lydia Thorpe, you keep saying that there's a problem, but what you're actually doing is voting for nothing. No dollars are being put towards this because you won't come to the table. And so that has led to some pretty tense moments. Now, those opposite, and you can argue during the break if you want, that you're against $10 billion of funding because you think it should be $20 billion or whatever figure you want to, to pluck out. We saw, particularly in question time, um, Anthony Albanese, the Prime Minister, he really targeted the Greens over their strategy of just pushing for more on this. But the idea that you will support zero, which is what opposing this legislation will do, we will let, we will let members in your electorate know exactly that that's the case. That that is exactly the case. So Albanese is targeting the Greens and others, saying that they're asking for too much. What exactly do the Greens want? I think if the Greens saw some more funding each year put out, that that could potentially get the Greens and crossbenchers across the line. I think also if there was more of a guarantee that there would be more homes built from this fund, that would also get them across the line. I mean, some of the um, things that the Greens are asking for, which is, you know, an extra $5 billion, I think, a year or so, that's not going to get across the line. In this environment, the government is not going to agree to that. Right. Max Chandler-Mather, the Greens housing spokesperson, discussed this issue on the Guardian's Australian Politics podcast recently. Uh, We could live with a scheme that retained the future fund model but guaranteed $5 billion of spending every year and where the returns aren't good enough, extra money is taken out of the budget. But this ask, $5 billion a year instead of $500 million, it's a big jump. Yeah, 
it is a little bit of a jump. But that doesn't mean that there's not room to move there because that's the great thing between 500 million and 5 billion is there's a lot of numbers in between and there is potential that they could land on something that they can both be comfortable with. Because the other thing with Senate negotiations is that if neither side wins, both of them see it as a pretty good outcome. If nobody's particularly happy with how the policies ended up, then that means that both sides have had to give and that the policy is probably going to be as good as it's going to get in this environment. The Greens also want things like a national rent freeze. Uh, They want the doubling of Commonwealth rent assistance and they want at least a billion dollars for First Nations housing. I think they're probably going to see some movement when it comes to First Nations housing or at least a commitment about where some of this fund is going to go. When it comes to a national rent freeze, I'm sorry to tell everyone that is not going to happen. You're not going to see some sort of law put in place where you're going to see a rent freeze. One, the government only really does things like that in emergencies, like when you saw a national cabinet convened during COVID. All the states and territories agreed to put a hold on evictions, uh, to put holds on rents. You're not going to see that outside of that sort of emergency. Mm. And Anthony Albanese has already said, no, this is not, you know, student council. This isn't an SRC. This is a national government. This is a national government. And what national governments have to do is put forward real solutions to issues. You can't just come here with a demand that we stop putting rents up and and make us attack the private market like that. That is not going to happen. The doubling of Commonwealth rent assistance is also something that's being criticised by anti-poverty advocates who say that all that does is end up making rents more expensive because landlords go, oh, well, you're getting more money, so I'll have more of that in my pocket, please. So they're not particularly on board with that aspect of what the Greens are asking for either. But I don't think we're going to see too much of a budge on those sorts of things that the Greens want. The Greens housing spokesperson also told The Guardian that the government should just make a direct investment to housing out of the regular budget rather than making what he calls a $10 billion gamble on the stock market, which could have volatile returns. They're getting $10 billion of public money and gambling on the stock market via Peter Costello's future fund. Is he right? Is this style of funding financially risky? I mean, yes and no. So the Greens are pointing to the fact that the existing future fund, uh, which some listeners might know that Peter Costello was, you know, part of the board of, uh, lost money and value in the last year. And if this was the housing fund, that that would have translated to about $120 million loss in the housing future fund if it had existed. But also... When you have that much money in a fund, it kind of even outs over the life of the fund, Mm. which is what the government is saying. They're saying that these concerns are unfounded because if the spending in one year is down, they would top it up because the spending in the next year, it would probably increase. They're looking at it over the life of the fund rather than individual years. Mm. Many experts agree that 30,000 houses won't fix the housing shortage crisis and change the price of rent. What does Labor have to say to that critique, that this is just a drop in the ocean compared to what's really needed? 
Yeah, absolutely. And we've got about 160,000 people across the nation on public housing waiting lists. So that's people who are already waiting on homes. That's not counting the people who have found themselves in housing distress now, who are in housing insecurity now. So the argument is that we already have this huge backlog that this housing fund isn't going to address. Why don't you go further? The government, of course, says that this is one program in a range of programs, that there are other things that they're working on the states with, national partnerships, other ideas that will be down the pipeline. But the Greens and Senators Pocock and Thorpe really see this as a moment to try and push the government to go further to address the problems that are happening now. But Labor's coming at it from the point that they've come to government after about 10 years. There's a lot of bin fires all over the budget, and this is one of them. And so they acknowledge that they do need to do more, but that they are constrained by the budget. Labor has been pretty burnt over the last 10 years, and indeed over the Abbott opposition, where they were constantly being hounded for being in a Labor-Greens coalition. And there were all of these allegations of instability and that we were going to have a socialist government and that spending was out of control. And so Labor, this time around, are doing everything that they can to stay in the centre, to say that we're happy to negotiate with whoever wants to talk to us, but we're not going to be pushed around. Next. Will the crossbench kill this bill? Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Borough order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at borough.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Amy, let's talk about what happens from here. The Greens say they're willing to negotiate, but they're also willing to block the bill entirely if necessary. One of our things we need to be prepared for is not to support the bill because we feel like it would be leaving behind millions of people who this bill does nothing for. And uh, that feels like an abdication of responsibility for us. How likely is that scenario? I mean, it's really tough, right? I don't know what the answer is to that, whether the Greens go back and just say the bill wasn't going to do enough and so therefore we said no to the whole shebang. I'm not sure whether they're going to do that. I think they're going to talk to their members. They're going to talk to the people who this really impacts because at the end of the day, whatever goes on at Capitol Hill or Bullshit Castle or whatever it is that you want to call it, It impacts people's lives and it's those people who should probably have the biggest say 
when it comes to things like this. So I think that if the Greens say no to this, it is a way of flagging to their base membership that they still are the Greens, they're still going to push the government on these things. But I think that they've also done enough to show voters who maybe have only recently become Green supporters or have recently switched on to what they're doing, that they're a more mature party than they were 10 years ago. And that when it comes to negotiations, they will come to the table in good faith. The Senate isn't sitting again for over a month, so there is some time for things to play out here. What could happen over the next month? I think everyone is waiting to see whether the government will bend on this, whether they will give a little bit more. But the other aspect to this as well is I think everyone is also waiting to see what the budget holds and whether there is more assistance for people in housing stress, who are on the poverty line or who are facing homelessness. Mm. And I think that's going to play into it quite a lot. So it's a bit of a watch and wait, this one. Labor believe they have a mandate for this housing policy. It's one that they took to the election, but the Greens disagree. They say they've done a national door knocking campaign and that voters told them they want bigger and better action on housing. The conversations basically consisted of people saying, well, We know the government has enough money. They just found $368 billion for the nuclear attack submarines. And I'm a private renter and this does nothing for me. And I really want you to hold the line because they understand that the government needs to be forced to recognise the scale of the crisis. Is either party accurately reading the mood of the public in this housing crisis? I think people are sick and tired of being left behind. I think that this country sees a lot of wealth flow to a lot of high-income earners, but they don't necessarily see any of the benefits of that. I think there has been a generation of people who have missed out on all of the things that they were promised. We are now at risk of seeing the most highly educated generation Australia has ever had, that's millennials, be worse off financially than their parents. That is a huge generational shift. We haven't seen that in Australia before, but that's the situation that we are in. And so I think people who are in their late 30s and in their 40s and having to still go through the share house experience because they can't afford anything else. And these are people who are on good money, who have good jobs, but cannot move in this rental market, let alone people who aren't in good jobs or don't see good money, what they're going through. I mean, the fact that women over 55 is the fastest growing homelessness cohort in this country. If you're a renter over 50, your chances of a comfortable retirement right now are almost zilch. You almost have to own a house in order to have a comfortable retirement. So this isn't something that's just a now problem. This is a problem next year, five years, 10 years, 20 years. It is only going to get worse. Mm. So I think that, yeah, people are sick and tired of this situation. People want to see somebody actually do something about it. And I don't think that's, you know, being political, ideological. I think that's actually just the reality of the situation. That was political reporter Amy Romikas. You can also watch her video explainer about the housing bill at theguardian.com and we've linked to the latest news on this bill on the Full Story page as well. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria and Miles Herbert. Sound design and mixing by Camilla Hannon. The executive producer of this episode was me, Laura Mephiotes. Okay, catch you tomorrow.
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.